You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am not Logan Bradley. I am Ryan Dangle, your Quasi host for the pregame pod, uh, stepping in for Logan. Logan will be here a little bit later. He is, his job is just absolutely crazy. He's got a lot going on, but I am joined by the one, the only Jack Wright. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, you can find him at Bear Down Jack. Logan, you can find him at Bear Down Bradley. Now, Brennan Chagru and Patrick Sheldon will not be joining us today, but if you want to get them, you can get Brendan at Brendan Shagru, that's S-U-G-R-U-E, and Patrick Sheldon, you can find him at P underscore Shells. Jack, we got a lot to talk about in this episode. First thing, we're going to talk to a Dolphins fan, an awesome Dolphins fan who's going to break down what are we going to be looking at. This is going to be obviously a different episode than than a lot of the pregame posit that the guys have been doing. And the second thing is, I don't know if you're aware, but the Bears at the trade deadline made a couple moves. What a bonkers trade deadline, right? The the White Sox hired a manager yesterday, and I didn't know it until late <laughs> in the evening. And I'm a diehard White you, Sox fan. It was like so buried in all of the news, and properly so, to be honest. It's that's incredible. Like, folks, like he is he is White Sox almost first and foremost. And the fact that it's like just watching every trade, it, it I don't remember ever a time where there were this many trades this close to the deadline. Do you? I don't. And it's crazy to think about how the NFL kind of hits on all strides. And now guess what? They're dominating the trade deadline too. A lot of times, you know, the trade deadline would come and go and there would be discussion, but nobody would be willing to give up a two. And this year people were willing to give up twos and fives. Do you know who was willing to give up a second round pick, uh, but didn't get anything? Would that be beyond the cheese curtain? (laughs) I'm giddy right now. Aaron Rodgers is just stewing in his anger, right? You just, you know that he is, and he's going to have to throw to that garbage crop of wide receivers. While meanwhile, Justin Fields is at times going to get to develop with Chase Claypool. Dude, I'm so excited. We relish mostly in the Bears uh, and their arrow pointing up. But listen, how can you not be excited about watching Aaron Rodgers cry in pain more as the weeks <laughs> pursue? Uh, yeah, they've lost four in a row. We got to give a couple quick shout outs. The first is to our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Interest rates are up. Prices are up. Is real estate dead? It's not. But when you have questions, Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties, Christie's International has your answers. Just 15 years of experience has been featured in Chicago Magazine and even Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. To connect with Jeff, visit GenevaJeff.com today. Ryan, tomorrow after work, I'm going to see our favorite barber. His name is Will. He's at Sheridan's Barbershop. He's located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, which has been serving the community for 68 years with seven barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. 
You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right. So folks, we're stoked about this one. We are changing up the format a little bit. And we have Pete Sinek sitting in front of us, who is a diehard Dolphins fan. So Pete, I got to ask, man, first question, most important question. How does a Dolphins fan end up in Chicago? Because those are two teams. You don't, we have Packer fans everywhere, but you are a Dolphins fan. How did that whole thing work out? Uh, in short, as short as I can be, uh, it, it started as a kid. I was, and I'm an old guy, but as a kid, I was a Unitas fan. He was toward the end of his career. I liked him. He played for Don Shula. He retired. I grew up in a working household that we couldn't afford much in the way of vacations. My parents took me out of school in September, two weeks, take our homework. We'd go to Florida. So Shula comes down to Florida. I'm in Florida in September in the early 70s, late 60s, and they won immediately, and that team just captured me. And to this day now, I actually know some of those players and, and have become friends, particularly with one of them. So it's it's just uh, it's just been a dream come true as a kid and, and watching them all these years. Now I just got to get back to that Super Bowl time of, uh, of the early 70s. Well, that was maybe my next question is the Dolphins, like the Bears, have had some bad football years. I mean, some droughts, really, when you think about it. How do you stay such a passionate Dolphins fan, especially being so far removed from the team living here in Chicagoland? Well, I think it's pretty much just just faith and loyalty like any fan. And you know, I, I guess maybe I was broke in because I've been a Cub fan all my life. <laughs> so it took <laughs> how long? Uh, so, I, you know, it, it's not hard. You just you just fall in love with something. And, you, and, you, and uh, you know, I guess I'm just loyal to a fault. And that's how you, you, you just stay with it. I want to talk a little bit about this team that we're looking at. And I think, you know, every Bears fan, at least most Bears fans, saw the Tua game uh, with the concussions and injuries. How are Dolphins fans kind of looking at that whole situation? I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it definitely just, it just didn't sit right. I mean, I, I, we'll talk about the offense in a second, but just like that night in and of itself, how did Dolphins fans kind of uh, approach that evening? That's a great. That's a great question. The Dolphin fans, the loyal ones, are a little different than Bear fans. And I and I, by the way, Bears are my number two team. So I root for the Bears, except for one one day every four years. So you know, it's it's one of those things where I think with 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 the Dolphin fans, they're a little bit more finicky. They're a little finickier. They they blow with the wind a little bit more. I don't mean the diehards, but you know, they're, the, the the masses are a little bit more finicky, and you know, they blow with the wind a little bit with some of the press and. And, and they're critical like everybody else. But there's, there's two are lovers and two are haters. There's not much in the middle. So the two are lovers, you know, are with them all the way and all the way through and through. And, and the haters, you know, they're always looking for, for another reason. I, I think it's pretty obvious by now to, to most, uh, most intelligent fans, and, I, and by intelligent I mean more clued into to the day-to-day uh, activities, that, that Tua is actually pretty talented when he's got – a staff around them that, that can keep them upright and offset, you know, with, with some of the pressures of, of the passing. And, and I think the guy that they've got coaching who I couldn't have told you who it was a year ago uh, or so uh, is really, really done a wonderful job. So it's, it's really just, you know, it's really just, if you're with them, you know, I think you, you you're really backing them and hoping that, uh, that, that the team around them stays with them because he's, he's capable. He is very capable. Uh, I'm Logan, by the way. I know I jumped in late. Um, it's, yep. good, it's good to meet you. Um, I just had a question for because it seems like the past few years, obviously the Dolphins, I think up until maybe a year or two ago, it seemed like they were kind of in that 
no man's land of, of a franchise similar to the bears where it's like, what direction is it going? And it seems now like the dolphins are off and running. Obviously they're playing a lot better. Was there like a specific turning point you think in the last year or two with a specific player who was acquired or anything that happened where you think the tide kind of changed for the dolphins as a franchise? Well, I think they're, they think, uh, I don't know if luck is the right word. I would, I, maybe the better word is fortunate. And I, as a fan, it was extremely frustrating to watch him go through the rebuild. And, and I blew I believed in the rebuild. I met Brian, Brian Flores myself at one of these fishing tournaments that I go to. And I really thought he was the guy. He, he certainly uh, seemed like a very capable defensive coach. And, and I think what, what we all saw was a very good team that came around uh, for him, but the offense was constantly a mess, you know, with this double coordinator thing. And, and uh, it's the old adage. If you got, you got two quarterbacks, maybe you don't have any uh, when you're trying to start them. That's the way I felt with coordinators. We didn't have a coordinator. And, and so to answer your question, what turned it, I think nobody would have predicted that Brian Flores leaving. And there was a whole mess around that, as we all know, with, with some other things, but uh, I think it was fortunate that he was, he was gone because it allowed the opportunity for a coach that uh, frankly, by the time the year is over, uh, I think is going to be a strong consideration for coach of the year uh, because the guy has the it factor uh, and he's clearly an X's and O's guy on offense. Uh, he's made it makes mistakes like everybody else, but I, I, he's got that team believing and he's got that team executing in a way that I think, We'll get them going. So the answer to your question is, I think, a little bit of fortune and luck with the circumstances that we had, because who who fires a winning coach after a couple of years like that? Not very many people, but it was messy. Speaking of your head coaches, and you mentioned this a little bit from the outside looking in, it looks like you've had great back to back head coaches. I mean, I was always impressed with the way that the Dolphins fought through the Flores years. They, they had no quit in them. And now you have Mike McDaniel. Is the fan base excited? You sound like you're behind both of those coaches. Is the fan base excited? I, I about am, those but two? I had to do it organically because I, I literally knew almost nothing about the guy. So, you know, I've watched how, how, you know, you look at, look at the players. If the locker room responds and, and, and people, play for each other. I think that's underestimated in, in athletics. It, it's a team sport and boy, the, it's razor thin what makes winning and losing in so many ways, but everybody rolling the right, you know, the same direction and really truly playing for each other and for your coach is a difference maker. And, and they've got it. They seem to have it going down there. These guys, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the guy or hear the guy much for, for a few days until he got on and you see him on the plane talking to Tua and saying, my job is to everything I can all the best of Tua out of you and and you know we got none of that from Flores and Tua you know it's obvious that 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 Tua was not Flores guy you know with uh you know the other guy from from Cleveland now that's there in Cleveland and and it's it was bad it was just bad karma it was bad bad attitude that that you, you could just pick it up so what locker room and what coach quarterback uh um, you know, mentality is, is going to work under those circumstances. I, it just didn't feel right. So it went bad. Uh, and I, I, I don't understand why it, it went as bad as it did as quickly as it did, but you know what fortune was on our side. And, and sometimes that you need a little bit of that. Pete, I want to ask the, the resurgence of the offense. I think 
a lot of people, myself included, were not believers in Tua. You know, I mean, I got to see him play at Alabama. I know he's 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 got all the tools, but he's a little undersized. All the things that we kind of saw is the resurgence of this offense just because Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and he's got those guys to throw to, or is there more to it than that? I think it's the whole system. You know, I, it, you, you, you know, you set up play action with the run and, and you, you know, we've got a rushing game that's, that's evolving quickly. And by the way, the recent trades they made yesterday, I think are going to help that uh, Chase Edmonds was, was dropping balls at the really bad times. And, and I think he'll complement the run game uh, in addition to Mostert, but, you know, it's it's the whole thing. It's it's a it's a lot of moving pieces that got to work all together. There's no one player, no one issue on this team that can truly, I think, make that much difference. Other than Tyreek loosens up every, any defense. I mean, I think that's obvious. But he couldn't possibly carry the team by himself without that running game, without the complement of of Waddle, the double threat, and others. I might add, there's a lot of speed on that offense, and speed clearly kills. And they are a step above in speed at almost every position. So uh, skill position, anyway. This this is like kind of just a dumb question coming from a Bears fan who never gets to watch cool offenses. But literally, what is it like to watch two wide receivers that are that good? Like, I don't. I, I know that you're you're partially a Bears fan as well, so you understand this. But like, I don't even. This isn't even a full question. But like, what describe <laughs> it to me? What does it feel like to watch playmakers? <laughs> well, you're you're ex- you're excited, and it's funny. I'm in a fantasy league, and I have Waddle on my. Is on one of my competitors' teams, so it's funny when you look at the stats; they almost have even even distribution every game. So you got to wonder if that's a little by design, and I think it is because you want to keep everybody honest. But the answer to your question is it's 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 exciting as all heck because you don't you don't know what's going to happen next. Anybody could break anything. In Chicago, we have sort of a <laughs> it's bittersweet to talk about the '85 Bears. I mean, obviously. That was the pinnacle in some of our lifetimes, but also that was 38, 39 years ago. Are are you, are Dolphins fans, are you tired of hearing about the undefeated Dolphins or do you still relish in it? What's the attitude about? Because from outside, we hear about it all the time. Maybe a little weary of hearing about the undefeated Dolphins. What's it like from inside? I, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, it, it's played up a little more than it really is. You know, that whole champagne thing and everything else, that's 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 all that's all drummed up a bit. And, and again, I've gotten to know at least one particular player well and, and and met several of them many times. And it's 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 really it's really just, you know, they're acknowledging it. Larry Zonka kind of is the mouthpiece for all of that. And and uh, I think you may have seen that on some of the telecasts, but he you know, they're proud of it and, and, and they, they state it, but they don't over, you know, they don't over dramatize it, but they are not going to run away from it. I think they know it's going to be very much nearly impossible to beat. Um, but it's, it's overdone on the outside. I think the outside sees it as, is more cocky than it is. And there's a little bit of that, but it's, I call it more swagger than cockiness because they're proud of it. And they should be, because it's probably not going to be broken. Pete, uh, we, we definitely want you to to talk a little bit about your your son, um, Jason, uh, his foundation, if you would, please. Uh, I know he's he's a local kid from from Naperville. And if you would just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, you know, we lost him in 2016 and he he grew up a Dolphins fan um, like like I did. And I think it was probably to irritate his brother because he thought that was a way to, you know, kind of bet, pal up with me a bit. But, um, but he became a, you know, a really substantial Dolphins fan and and we went 
these fishing trips with my dad and with the team and all that for many, 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 many years. And uh, we got to meet many of these guys and Jason met many of the 72 dolphins as well. But when he passed uh, his birthday uh, was shortly thereafter. And he and I had talked about me trying to do something for people. And, you know, we're not wealthy people. We're just trying to, to, to do right in, in life. And uh, we talked about it and he said, geez, you should do it. And I never knew how or when. And, and then when all that happened, you know, a month later on his birthday, I founded the uh, foundation in September of 2016. And, and it's got a website. You can look up Jason D. Sinek 40 foundation 40. And, and it talks about the, it's dated a bit. It needs to be updated, but it's got the mission and, and, and goals and all of that. And, and we've tried to do well, and it, it does three primary things. It helps uh, homeless veterans here in the area uh, through, through helping them, uh, through obviously just having a home, but a path to, uh, to, to being uh, clean and sober and to getting jobs and, and longer-term um, security. Uh, we donate to vetted local uh, Naperville families, uh, usually single mother, but not, not exclusively, that have had difficulty in maybe coming off of uh, either a homeless situation or near homeless situation, we help them every year and, and bring uh, uh, joy to those families, both for necessities and gifts. And then we do scholarships in Jason's name uh, through the high school that, that honor the spirit that uh, those that knew him uh, were like and how they're like, and, and they seem to, uh, they seem to enjoy that. So those are the three primary things. We do some things primary behind the scenes that, We'll help families that uh, have some extraordinary circumstances. We don't talk about all of them much uh, for the dignity of the families because it's a smaller community. Although Naperville is not small, but you can put two and two together. And there's some things that I don't know that I'd want, you know, the families exposed to, to the situations they have. And we feel good about that. So those are primarily what we do. We're also a stage to do some other larger things should they arise. And we keep our eyes open for that. But uh, we, we've, we've done some fundraisers in the past. Uh, COVID kind of stopped that, and uh, I'm about to actually I'm about to sign the contract and announce a uh, a fundraiser that'll be going on uh, more than likely in mid December uh, on a Saturday afternoon. So uh, you'll be seeing that I'll be announcing a save the date on Facebook probably in the next couple of days, and people are certainly uh, welcome to come to that and and register for that and donate. You can donate uh, online to the website. There's a, a Venmo and a, a credit card way to do that as well. And again, it's going to the mission and, and objectives that we set forth in the website uh, in the spirit of Jason uh, and his in his name. Pete, we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, you know, Jack and I had the great fortune of, of getting to know uh, Jason and uh, you know we we definitely are, are as a podcast going to be donating um, to to the foundation and we're going to put this link out for all of our listeners in hopes that they'll be doing the same. It's a it's an amazing foundation and we just uh, we know that you're you know it means a lot to us the way in which you're you're honoring uh, Jason and just so thank you for that and thank you so much for for giving your time to the Bear Down Chicago podcast. Well, thank you so much for having us and thanks for the, the plug for the foundation and, and we're proud of it and, 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 and appreciate the time. Last question before we send you out of here. What's your prediction for the game on Sunday? Who gets away with the dub? Wow. I didn't give it a lot of thought. I was at the Bears game in Dallas this past weekend, by the way, and I, I, I had hope for them. <laughs> Ouch. It was a good time, but they, 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 uh, they fell apart there at the end. You know, there's some changes. I think that I, the weather looks to be good, so it's not going to be a threat to the to the warm weather fins. And and I, you know I got to say, I'm going to say 31-21 Dolphins. I, I think that's a that's a that's a fair bet right there. So all right, Pete, thank you so much. 
for being on the Bear Down Chicago podcast. You bet. Thank you. Man, that was that was awesome to have Pete on. Pete, thank you so much for for doing that. Seriously, man, we really really appreciate it. And I, I think yeah, the Dolphins are going to get this win. All right, so boys, I, I don't know if you if you know this or not, but uh, the Bears kind of made a, a couple trades uh, that are kind of a big deal. Um, Logan, Jack, and I have had a chance to chat about it, but just basically what we're talking about here: the Bears trade Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens for essentially Chase Claypool and a fifth round draft pick. How do you feel about this trade? It's good because I, Poles is doing something. He's doing something definitive and he's, he's putting his stamp on this team. And kind of what I said in a tweet is I don't think that I've ever been the most gigantic Chase Claypool fan in the world. Uh, Both it was one incident. It was the the first down when he was celebrating at the end of, I think it was Steelers Vikings game that one time when there was no time left on the clock and he started celebrating. I think that's obviously that can be written off. Like I'm sure there maybe are small maturity issues, but he's a huge bodied wide receiver. He's a guy who it seemed like almost, I don't know if worn out as welcome in Pittsburgh is the right way of saying it, but just there are other receivers there who are getting more opportunities. They drafted guys who are starting to play ahead of him like George Pickens. So I think more than anything, the the compensation of what we gave up to get him, I think was more than fair. The way that polls maneuvered other trades to be able to acquire draft capital. And at the end of the day, we just need to start taking these types of shots on, on guys like Claypool. And again, he's the type of guy you do that with. He's still very young. He's huge and physical, which is, Unlike Darnell Mooney, uh, who is currently our quote unquote number one, and hopefully now will be that number two guy. Uh, so overall, it's it's the right idea. What I've I think I would have rather seen DJ Moore. That probably would have costed more though. At the same time, so overall, very happy with the trade. Jack, same question. What are you thinking about it? I think. It, there was a certain level of inevitability to Roquan being moved. We learned in the last 24 hours from polls that based on the way in which the uh, hold-in worked out, uh, when Roquan wrote the letter that threw polls under the bus, uh, when Roquan had a, a ghost agent that was fielding offers from other teams, it, it, I think polls was pretty direct in res- his response to the question, hey, when did you think this trade might be a possibility? He said way back in the summer, you know, so it wasn't even like, oh, in the last couple of days we started fielding offers and it became, you know, real viable. There was, they're not going to franchise him. They were not going to pay him what he wanted to be paid. And so ultimately this was the choice that was best for the bears and ice in his veins, man, he pulled the trigger. uh, And now we actually build a little bit uh, by having a new receiver. I'm so juiced about the cap space and the draft picks and the future of the bears. There's two big things that I want to hit on there, Jack. The the one that really a lot of Bears fans have been saying, just use the franchise tag, just use the franchise tag. And it was really interesting. Brad Biggs was talking about it, is that because he is a linebacker, that that number is so skewed towards your outside pass rushers. So, you know, any guy that's in a 3-4 and he's technically just a pass rusher, but his position is marked as linebacker, you're not going to pay Roquan the same that you would a chub or somebody else along those lines that that is is simply a, a pass rusher. And the last thing that I'll, that I'll say is just I'm just I, I you guys know I was so critical of polls for not getting a weapon, right? Not somebody like Bayless Jones with potential who, you know, we got to wait for develop. Like this is a guy that is is not Logan you said it is not like 
stepping in and, and a perfect receiver right from the start, but he is a guy that will contribute right away. He, he's better than Dante Pettis. He's better than Equinemia St. Brown. He's better than Valus Jones right now. I mean, maybe those guys turn into something else, but for right now, I mean, he can contribute as soon as he starts learning part of the offense. I think the biggest takeaway or one of the bigger takeaways for me at this point is to, it's just, this is a lesson of practicing patience. And I know as both Bears fans, as sports fans, football fans in general, patience is really hard to come by. That's something that I work on in every day of my life. But especially when you're a GM coming into a team that had its fatal flaws, like the Bears have, you have to give Ryan Pohl's time. And I think Ryan, you, along with many other fans in being angry that he didn't select a wide receiver with them with one of those first two picks. I think that's right. But I think this is just a lesson in like, okay, it's this whole thing is going to take longer than one year. It's going to take longer than two years. This might take three years to really get this team to a point where we feel good about it. And it's just like, Everything can't happen in that first offseason. Everything can't happen in that first draft. Everything, it's This is a long, drawn-out process. Ryan Pohl says plenty still to prove. We don't know if this Chase Claypool thing is going to work out, but it's just as hard as it is, let's be patient. This defense is going to struggle the rest of the season, and then let's see what happens in the offseason. Absolutely, Logan. It, about patience, I also personally am letting off the throttle just a little bit when it comes to my Claypool expectations. Ceiling, I think, super high, but he's being plugged into a passing offense that, how do we put it, isn't very good, to put it mildly, right? So, so there's not much, there's not many targets to go around as as is now, unless that unlocks or unleashes something in the playbook for Getzy uh, that allows for the passing game to improve in a way that I, is unexpected in a very short period of time. I, I am just, I'm tempering my expectations just a little bit because. I mean, as good as we run the ball, we throw bad. Very, very good point. Because offensively, I mean, I'm surprised I've never played an NFL offense, but coming in as a wide receiver, I'm sure there's about a billion and a half things to learn. So what you said, yeah, if you're out there and you're, you're, you know, everyone's rearing to see Claypool out there on the field, maybe he'll be out there Sunday. Uh, yeah, lower those expectations. It might, it'll take a few months or excuse me, a few weeks, probably a few months. And then for him to be full go might be a 2023 thing. Yeah. I, I think when I say that I'm excited that he can contribute right away, I mean, he's going to get like two or three plays a game. That that's what I mean. You know, I don't, I don't think that, that, that this instantly fixes the offense, but my thought was going into next season, you've got this 125 million and looking at the free agents, wide receivers for next season, gich. No, thank you. Hard pass. I feel much better about Chase Claypool, a veteran receiver, than again, waiting on someone that may take two to three seasons, a la Valus Jones or something else along those lines. Again, I he's not perfect, but he's better than what we have. And that's the thing that, that excites me so much. So gentlemen, Logan, you kind of alluded to this. I want to come to you first. Jack, I'll get you and I'll, I'll finish this up is, you know, there are a lot of Bears fans that think the Bears way overpaid to get Claypool. How do you guys feel about that? It's kind of what I touched on earlier. I mean, it's, it's hard to gauge what trade values values are in the NFL. It's always been a sticking point for me as a fan is there's so many people that like, there's this one specific person I knew in college, who's this, who's a Cubs fan. And that's kind of beside the point, but he'd always talk about these trades. And I think fans just have wild misrepresentations of what, certain things are worth. So 
when you see something like that, like, I don't know, unless I, it just jumps out to me immediately as an overpay. I, I see it as just kind of, you got to do what you got to do. And like, it's also hard to call it an overpay when you still have so many picks to work with. And I, I just think that was part of the plan to begin with. So I never really, even for a second, had an inkling that we spent too much or gave up too much. Let's say hypothetically that it is a splurge. I'm okay with it if that's the case, because it's the first one and it's a position of great need. I don't think like you, Logan, I don't think it was a splurge. I think ultimately you didn't pay some over the hill veteran who was once good, like we did in former regimes in hopes that they still had something in the tank. You got a guy who is still on a rookie contract with one and a half years, very low salary. And the ceiling, I think is, is really high. The other thing is there's scarcity in that position. As Paul said, as you look down the road, what were the other options going to look like? It's not like there's a dearth of uh, you know defensive linemen because there are, or you know other positions where we're going to have some nice options to sign guys in free agency. This is a position of need, and so there there might have been a need then to pay more than you might have paid for other positions. Jack, I think that's such an excellent point. When they draft an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a linebacker, they're not going to do it in the first round linebacker. But if they do it with those on one of those other positions, I'm not going to be mad at all now at this point. I mean, I think you definitely still need wide receiver help, but but those guys are more ancillary than 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 you know you're you're getting the guy. Could you get an X? And I know Jack, you've talked about that a lot. Yes, but I also feel like Justin Fields is showing that with craptacular wide receivers, he's still getting decent production out of it. Yeah, it the the like wide receiver room all of a sudden could look very fine if you consider at least for next year. I know that Claypool only has next year, and then we'll see what they decide to do whether they resign him or not. But if you have him, if you have Darnell Mooney, and you have one receiver who's drafted in hopefully the first round, early or the second round, all of a sudden that's a fine group. And then all of a sudden we're not getting about getting mad about Velas Jones looking like a beyond a rookie, but he has time to develop or you can develop those more green wide receivers underneath those top three guys. I think in the NFL, you need three pretty darn good receivers right now, or before we had one. Now I think we have two draft one, and then you can attack other positions with the tons of draft picks that you have. So I feel really good. The one thing that I also say about this is the green Bay Packers offered a second round pick. And, and at least supposedly, and the bears come back and say, all right, well, we're not going to give you the Ravens one. We'll give you our second round pick. I know some bears, bears fans were upset about that, but you still have a second round draft pick and you accumulate a fifth round. And Oh, by the way, you have chase Claypool. I, I just don't see how you're anything, but very excited about this as a bears fan. Yeah. I think you're nitpicking so much at that point. I mean, what's the difference between those two picks, probably like 15 to 20 at most, you're lying to me if you really think that that's going to make that large of a difference. It's just, that's kind of crazy talk. Give it up. You got to pay to get it. Logan, I know you got to get out of here. Uh, you've, you've got some busyness going on. And so uh, just before the game, you still picking dolphins, 34 bears, 24. Yeah. Which like when I typed it out, it was weird to have that high scoring of a game, but man, that bears defense is not going to be good now. So containing Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle is going to be a task and a half. So Jack, we've also got Brendan, who's also picking the Dolphins 34 to 23. Patrick Sheldon, no shock here, picking the, uh, the fish 38 to 21. Uh, how are you seeing this game playing out? 
I'm going 30, 20 fins over the bears. I do. I, you know, it's so hard to predict over unders in the NFL, but the unders have mostly won uh, coming out of this particular weekend all season long. And I, I realize that the defense is, is, is anemic now, but I still feel like scheme wise, the bears do a pretty darn good job of containing people. So uh, my score might be a little lower than others, but I was thinking a lot about this. I think the Robert Quinn departure, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily losing him as a player, uh, as much as it is the locker room impact. I think those guys in defense really felt it this past week. And we're like, why was the defense so bad? Like uh, you just took one of your team captains and you sent him packing. And now you do the same thing again with Roquan. Also, the Dolphins have been really good historically against the Bears. I, I, I always tell the story, the 2006 season when the Bears went to the Super Bowl, they lost three games that whole season two at home. I saw them both. It was the Miami Dolphins and the Green Bay Packers. And I saw both of those losses. And I just remember the Dolphins were a terrible football team that year, but they somehow found a way to win. And so, yeah, I I think though that this one is going to be a little bit higher scoring. Uh, I think the Bears offense just is starting to find its groove a little bit. And so for this one, I am picking the Dolphins 35, Bears 25, and just interested to see how this one kind of turns out. The one other thing I wanted to mention, only because I think it's historical, it is historical, is what we're witnessing right now is a complete teardown of the Bears organization that we have not seen in our lifetime. Uh, That's not even how they built the 85 Bears necessarily. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. But, And I think what we're seeing is a lot of knee-jerk reactions from from fans that still want to win right now. I'll just say personally, I'm 100% for what Polls is doing so far. Uh, one, because it's different and what we've been doing just hasn't worked. For decades, it has not worked. And so I'm ready for a change. And I do believe in the baseball mantra that you're either you're either vying for a championship or you're rebuilding. And, and right now we are rebuilding. And in, I think in this case, we are doing it the correct way. We are drafting and we are developing and we are stacking cap and we are stacking picks. I will be shocked if it doesn't work because I suppose right now all the onus is on Pulse and he's got to get it right. He's got to get a lot of choices going forward right. But so far, he's shown an excellent acumen for getting those choices right. I'm going to be really honest here. He won me over with this trade. I mean, I was highly critical of him not doing enough for Justin Fields. Uh, you know, the, the, the signing of Riley reef and Schofield is starting to look with Schofield specifically starting to look better and better. And, you know, yes, you're, you're another offensive lineman away at least, but my biggest gripe was not having enough weapons for Justin Fields and not again, not guys that are waiting to develop. It's guys that, that have proven it. I mean, that guy has made some unreal circus catches and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. And so, yeah, Ryan Poles won me over with this trade, like officially. And so I'm still not totally sold on Eberflus and the rest of that staff. I'm, I'm, I'm trending in that direction. But, but yeah, Ryan Poles won me over with this. He's going to put a stamp on this team, whether we like it or not. And in the meantime, it really is going to be Andy Dufresne crawling through a mile of shit to get out clean on the other side. I mean, we're going to, we're going to see some rough football games. There's no doubt. Just so you know, like that's my favorite movie of all time. And so like the amount of references that we've had to Shawshank over the last couple of weeks, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a rough go. Like as we're picking the, our picks for the Dolphins, like, Oh, I don't, I don't really, I I know this sounds terrible. I don't care at all. I want to see better offensive production and know that this team is some really good draft picks and some cool free agents away from being a contender. And maybe next year, maybe we are talking about playoffs. 
All right, so Jack, it is time to get out of here. We want to say thank you all so much. And Logan for kind of moving aside, letting me host this one. Uh, Pete Sinek for hopping on to talk dolphins with us. For all of you who are listening, thank you so very much. And as always, folks, bear down, Chicago.